Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great website that gives you history the way it was intended to be told? With no PC, no Marxism, no progressivism. Well, I've got it for you. It's LearnTrueHistory.com. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. Learn history from great professors who don't sugarcoat it for you. This is not for your delicate flowers. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. Com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 44, and this is a user-generated episode. So keep sending me those requests. I do look at them, and uh, even if I haven't gotten to one that I've said I'd probably do in the future, doesn't mean it's not going to get done. It just means that there's other things I want to talk about before that. And so it's highly possible these things can get covered at some point, uh, particularly when I go back to doing at least two podcasts a week. Right now I'm only at one because of the book that I'm writing, so I don't have a lot of time at the moment. But I do see your requests, so send them on to me. You can go to my website and uh, submit a request there. Just uh, you know, go to leave a comment or you know, shoot me a comment. And uh, I do see them, and uh, oftentimes I'll get back to you. So this one came uh, about a week ago from a user, and I think the I can't remember the exact title of his of his comment, but um, oh, it was uh, "Please address this" from uh, Adam Graham, and so he sent me a link to a podcast at econtalk.org. And the podcast covered a book uh, written by a guy named Terry Moe. He's a professor of political science at Stanford University. He's also a fellow at the Hoover Institute. Um, and by William Howell, uh, who was uh, a professor at the uh, University of Chicago. And the book, looking at the title, you, you know what they're going to push. But the title of the book is Relic, How Our Constitution Undermines Effective Government and Why We Need a More Powerful Presidency. And so uh, Mr. Graham wanted me to go ahead and take this on. And this is, this is like, I mean, this is like a slow-pitch softball coming at me. Uh, and, I mean, he was right. Um, go ahead and knock this thing as hard as you can. And it's interesting because just last week, uh, ISI, Intercollegiate Studies Institute, published a piece that I wrote entitled An Elected King. And so I attacked this very idea about uh, you know the strong executive because I'm going to get into what Mo and is arguing. Um, Mo and Howell are arguing in this book, and then I'm going to I'm going to play that off. And of course, my book, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America and Four Who Tried to Save Her, which is arguing the exact opposite position, and how Mo and Howell are a little bit disingenuous in their characterization of government uh, and how things work today. And plus, they have, I think their their understanding, at least their what they're putting out, I mean, their understanding of why the Constitution was structured the way it was is incorrect. Okay, so first, let me start with what Mo says in this, Terry Mo says in this particular podcast, and then what he argues he wants the presidency to do. So first, I will say this. I actually agree that the Constitution is not a relic, but it has many problems. But those problems aren't because of the structure, 
even Mo agrees with that. It's not because of the structure in some ways. Uh, he thinks it's because of the way it was the people that wrote it created a problem from the beginning, and that was they didn't give the presidency enough power, essentially, because they were afraid of democracy. and all. Now, I, I think the Constitution is problematic because it gives too much power to the presidency. And this was pointed out in the ratifying debates, the ratifying conventions. Okay, the, the opponents of the Constitution correctly pointed out that the presidency is going to swallow up the rest of the government, and it has I'm not certain why Howell and Moe don't think it already has, but it has. Okay, so let me just explain what Moe says. He says, essentially, the Constitution is outdated. It's a relic. Uh, and this is why uh, we um, can't deal with the issues that we confront today. In fact, the founding generation ha- would have had no conception about the problems we face today. I mean, these people were just a bunch of 18th century aristocrats. This is what he says. Uh, they were just a bunch of slaveholders, and uh, the times have changed, and so th- the Constitution can't deal with the problems that we have today. Um, they they just uh, if you look at modern social issues, which is really his his major point, we have all these social issues that cannot be addressed by this outdated Constitution, this relic as he calls it, uh, because these people were not equipped to look at issues that we confront today. I mean, we only had uh, 4 million people in the United States in 1790. Now we have 320 million people. And uh, there's no way this Constitution is designed to deal with that. Au contraire, Dr. Moe. Yes, it is. But you just have to follow the original design of the Constitution. Of course, that wouldn't work for him because he views everything from a national structure. And he says it over and over again. Uh, he calls the Electoral College terrible, which, of course, I've defended. He calls the Senate terrible because the Senate were just a bunch of aristocrats by design. Of course, these people are elected by the state legislature, so they're just aristocrats. That's not why they were elected by the state legislatures. He misses that whole point. I guess he's never really read the ratifying debates, or even I'm, I'm sure he's read the Philadelphia Convention, but they very clearly state why they wanted the Senate to be elected by the states. Okay, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, and he says Congress is so it was supposed to be the most powerful branch of government, but it's the worst branch of government. And he still believes somehow that Congress still uses its authority effectively to thwart national programs. Now, the example he gives was this model cities idea from, from the Great Society, where uh, you had... Experts. This comes out of the Wilson progressivism. So, I mean, again, he's he's a progressive. Moe's a progressive, no doubt about it. He, these experts come out, and they said, we need to take five cities, and we need to dump a whole bunch of money into them and, and solve urban decay. And then as Congress got a hold of the bill, then it became over 100 cities, and very little money went to... So this is where Congress just really messed everything up. If we had a strong executive that he says could propose legislation, and he calls it fast-track, so essentially, the, the president would say, uh, we're going to raise the minimum wage $15 an hour, vote Congress up or, up or down, yes or no. No amendments, simple majorities, no filibustering, none of that. You're just going to have to vote on this thing up or down. Uh, this would solve national problems. And he uses that term all the time. 
There's no national solutions to national problems. And he's talking about social problems, national social problems. He says this over and over again in the podcast. And that's the whole key to his argument, that we have a national government. So there are two fundamental problems with his discussion of the Constitution. One, he somehow believes that we are writing a national constitution, which the founders are writing a national constitution, which they were not. And they said it. So when he talks about, well, I really like the Constitution, it, it works. I like the structure of it, but, uh, but I mean, you got this problem here that you can't get all these national things done. We got a national government, 320 million people, and we can't do anything about it. That's because it was never designed to be a national constitution to begin with. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Because we have 320 million people, and 320 million people of diverse interests, and we have razor-thin majorities, essentially, in our national, quote-unquote, national polity. I don't think I'd want Terry Moe deciding what we're going to do about our social problems in America, quote-unquote. Not, and, and he brings up, well, you know, you guys, he's on the, the, the uh, man who um, uh, is the host of the podcast is named Russ Roberts, and he's, he says he's a libertarian, and and, uh, you know, so, so Mo is quick to bring up, well, I mean, you guys like Ronald Reagan. I mean, he wanted to do this, this, and this, and he couldn't because Congress blocked all that stuff. And so, you know, if we had this kind of situation, we'd, Ronald Reagan would have gotten something done, right? He, I mean, he would have cut those taxes. He would have gotten those. He would have rolled back welfare. But you have to understand, even if you think Ronald Reagan would have done a great job, in the 20th century, there have been exactly two presidents who might have been considered, and I, I, in nine presidents, I, I, I praise Calvin Coolidge. Reagan was worse than Coolidge. So you would have had two, two, that would have done anything to roll back the power of the central government. So see, what Moe is not, not letting on here, Terry Moe is not letting on here, is that they would have had their way for over a century. And imagine how much more progressive legislation we would have had in that time period. And I think when you're trying to sell this on a bipartisan effort, well, I mean, Republicans could benefit too. It's going to fall apart for many reasons. Thankfully, it will fall apart. And I point this out in my article, which if you're on my email list, you've already gotten anyways. Uh, I point this out an elected king, this is why the founding generation didn't want an elected king. Okay, so let's deal with it. So he wants a, a president who can just fast-track legislation into Congress. I mean, it's almost like he, and he points this out in the issue. He says, well, yeah, because uh, Roberts brings up, well, I mean, what about the budget? And Mo says, well, I mean, the president already proposes a budget anyways. Exactly, exactly. We already have executive government. I'm not so certain Terry Moe is proposing anything here that we don't already have. It's just the Congress has to go in and, and write the legislation, or I should say rewrite the legislation after they get it from the president, because the president is already drafting legislation. It's just there's no single up or down vote on that legislation. That's what Moe doesn't like. He doesn't, he doesn't come out and say it in the podcast, but essentially that's it. The president already drafts legislation all the time. We already have executive government. I could point out several instances particularly under major legislative pr programs like the Great Society 
or the New Deal or, uh, you know, Wilson's New Freedom or, uh, you know, you have um, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's Square Deal or Harry Truman's Fair Deal. I mean, take your pick, uh, Compassionate Conservatism. Uh, you know, you pick all these legislative programs that presidents have had over the last hundred years, they're already writing legislation. But Congress does get to manipulate that legislation, and that's a good thing. In fact, we shouldn't even have the president proposing legislation in the first place. Because if you look at the founding generation and what they said, they said the president would not do anything other than essentially carry the laws of Congress into action, execute the laws. And they would do things, other things that were not legislative or judicial in nature. That term was actually used during the Philadelphia Convention. And so the president was not designed to be chief legislator, but he, he or she, I mean, we'll see what happens, does it anyways. So we already, ha- we already have this executive government that Terry Moe's thinking we need. We've already got it. So what we have here is a fundamental problem. First of all, Terry Moe doesn't understand, I guess, that the, Constitu- the problem with the Constitution is that we've actually destroyed it by having executive government and quote-unquote national government. There are no national social problems. There are local social problems that have to be dealt with by local government that better reflect the people of that area. So when you look at the powers of the Congress and the powers of the central government, they were extremely limited by design because you had a federation of states, a federal republic. A federal republic. That is the key to all of this. People say, we have a republic. No, we don't. We have a federal republic. We don't have a republic. We don't have a singular republic like they have in France. We have a federal republic. And the problem is we give too many of these congressmen and president too much power to try to come up with, quote-unquote, national solutions to, quote-unquote, national issues. They don't exist. We have local issues. And the national government is not really a national government anyways. It wasn't designed to do these things. Remember, this is a union of states with delegated or, the term I used, where I I talked about this in Podcast 41, where I said, I grant you the power, granted powers. Granted by who? By the states. And if you look at how how this Constitution was sold to the states, and this is the most important part of it, like Tench Cox was saying, look, the general government can only do these things, but it can't do all these things because it hasn't been granted the power to do so. And the things he said the general government can do are very limited, and they were for the general welfare of the Union. Now, you tell me how a model city in five places is for the general welfare of the Union. The Union of what? A Union of States. So why would my tax dollars from my state go into fund cleaning up urban blight in Detroit? I don't live there. Now, you could say, well, I mean, this is for the good of the Union. This is the argument that's always been made from the crony capitalists, from the people that want to have, essentially, government welfare for their corporation or their business. This is what a tariff is, essentially a protective tariff. It's government welfare for the steel industry. In fact, what we have is a general government that gives welfare to just about everybody but the people in the middle. And even there, they'll say, well, those people get welfare. They get national parks. They They get some road construction. That's helping them. You have people in the, in the top end supported by essentially crony capitalism, corporate welfare. You have the people at the bottom supported by 
personal welfare, and the people in the middle get nothing. This is the forgotten man. This is, uh, of course, uh, years ago, Mark Kreslins, who has a show now on uh, Mike Church's Veritas Radio Network, used to have a program and um, uh, entitled The Forgotten Man, and uh, was taken from that. So this is William Graham Sumner saying we have the forgotten man, the man in the middle that gets squeezed. Everyone else gets something but the man in the middle, really the backbone of the United States, which is the middle class. They get squeezed. They get the shaft. Everyone else gets the gold mine. They get the shaft, as Jerry Reed used to say. They split it all down the middle, and then everybody else gets the better half, right? Except for the people in the middle. So we don't really have national problems. So really what's at stake, what the heart of this problem with, with Terry Moe is that the nature of the union is his, is his misinterpretation of what, the, I mean, what, what we have. We don't have a national government. We don't have a national polity. The states, he had a, well, the state's senators were elected by the state, the, the U.S. senators were elected by the state legislatures. Yes, why? Because they were there to protect the interests of the states in the union. It was a state veto over legislation that could be problematic. That was by design. The Constitution was designed to be unworkable. We don't need a government that's going to efficiently ram through legislation all the time from the executive branch because, well, frankly, that's going to create many, many problems. As I say in my ISI piece, the concluding sentence was simply this. Uh, if you haven't read it, I'll link this in the, uh, in the show notes, but uh, our guy who abuses power will eventually hand the office over to their guy who abuses power. That's exactly what would happen. So you got a president comes in to will the people, people put them in, you know, the 50 plus 1%, which is essentially what we have now. Razor thin majority. So half the population is getting left out of, the, of this process. Uh, and the con- but most says, well, the Congress can vote up or down on that. I mean, you know, it's just like anything else. Uh, and, but he does point out that immigration reform would have already gone through if it wasn't for the ability of the minority to block that. So see, the minority has power in the government. You should never have a situation where the minority is not going to be uh, heard. In this particular case, you wouldn't have the minority being heard. So uh, you would just have all this fast-track legislation, and that would create a major problem for most people. So when you look at this entire issue of executive power, what Moe and Hal are proposing to do here is something that essentially already exists. You know, one case during the New Deal, the Congress passed a rolled-up piece of newspaper. The bill hadn't even been written yet, but they passed it. You were already getting fast-track legislation at that point. We've had instances in American history you already had it, and look exactly what you got when that happened. Now, the uh, Roberts didn't challenge him on this because I don't think he had the background to say these things. But we already had this issue. We've already had this situation. Now, I will say that Moe suggests that, and Howell suggests that they need a constitutional amendment to do this, and they're exactly right, and that they all support, they both support, an Article Five convention. Okay. Now, of course, Moe says, well, I, I, we are nervous about that. We don't want a runaway convention. Yeah, I mean, nobody does. And, of course, I could support an Article 5 convention to have amendments to do the exact opposite, to make the president almost impotent when it comes to legislative action. Because we already have too much executive government. This is the real problem 
in American politics. Too much executive government. So what we really need to do is go back to the idea that the executive can veto legislation. I think that the overriding the veto is too high, that, that the ability for the Congress to do that. And I think this is one structural change that could be made. Well, the president uh, you know, would veto legislation, and the Congress would just override it much more quickly. I mean, you, you take that threshold down, which would make the legislature much more effective in doing what they want to do. Oftentimes, a legislature tries to put forward a legislative program, and the president blocks it. Mo doesn't bring that up at all. The legislature is trying to respond to, quote-unquote, national issues, and they propose legislation. The president gets it and manipulates and says, I'm not going to sign that. You're going to have to make the bill look more like what I want. Well, there's a problem there with that. Mo doesn't bring that up. So, I mean, there's so many structural problems with this book, with this idea. That, he, as I said, he's being disingenuous with the way government actually works right now. So even though he says, well, I mean, if you favor small government, you should want effective government. You have to have effective government, he says, where a leader can come in and say, okay, this is what we're going to do, and it actually happens. That's what, that's what Mo says. No. The real issue here is the states getting the power back to have small government. If the states actually stood up and, and recognized that they have more power, they're the actual fourth leg of the table that holds up the general government. You have the three branches of the general government, and then you have the states, which is the fourth leg. It's not a three-legged table. It's a four-legged table. If the states actually realize they are the pillar, and actually they're the, the most massive pillar in this government, they could do things to block all this bad government that comes out of Washington, D.C., but they just won't do it. And this is the one thing that you know I've never understood. You have these, you have these governors and members of the state legislatures. I mean, they can get much more power. Why is it they're always looking to the center to say, you know, we're going to, we're going to, I just want to get there. I just want to get to Washington, D.C. No, you should just want to stay where you are and become more powerful here because it's a lot easier to hold on to power in the states. And in some ways, it's also a lot easier for the people of the states because you have much um, smaller representative ratios to boot those bums out. or to at least have some control over those people. And the states better reflect the will of the people anyways in that particular area. So if we need to fix urban blight in Detroit, well, let Michigan take care of that. It's their city. If there's urban blight in uh, New York City, we'll let New York, state of New York take care of that. It's their city. And on the other hand, you know, my state, if there's something going on here, we'll let us take care of that. It's not somebody else's problem. It's our problem. So Mo is just way off base in this book in suggesting that we don't already have executive government and suggesting that we have a national constitution. We don't. We already have executive government. We have a federal republic. We don't have a national polity. And because we have 320 million people, we should be looking at federalist solutions because those 320 million people cannot be represented by 435 people. It's impossible. It's physically impossible or 535 people, or 545 people. can't happen.
your representative ratio is out of whack. So I think that's the important thing about this and, and what I would say. I mean, I'm sure Mo is a very well-meaning progressive that he wants all this progressive legislation, as he says. You know, he points out over and over, first of all, I mean, the, the, the progressivism just, just seeps from his pores when he uh, speaks with disdain of the founding generation. These guys were aristocrats, and they were slaveholders, and we shouldn't be have a government that was written for aristocratic slaveholders. Uh, well, I mean, nobody's arguing today that we need to have slavery. But maybe these people did know something about effective government. In fact, if you read the ratification debates and you read the Philadelphia Convention, they talked about historical models over and over again. And, and, and you, to say that these people wouldn't have recognized modern problems, of course they would have. Of course they would have. They understood problems of a union and what the state should do and what the general government should do. You just got to read Tench Cox. He brought up things that we're dealing with now. In fact, he brought up marriages, for example. And they dealt with social issues. And they, he brought up police and jails, the same things we're dealing with today. Yeah, they didn't have the Internet. They had committees of correspondence, which is like the 18th century Internet. Just write some stuff, make sure people get it. It's like 18th century Twitter. They understood the value of communication. Yeah, they didn't have rockets. They didn't have uh, you know militaries that have tanks and and uh, you know aircraft. But they had large, expensive militaries, and they had big, expensive wars, and they understood those things. And they understood human nature and what power would do, which is why they wanted to check it so much. Particularly from the executive branch, what they didn't want was an elected king. Hamilton did. Hamilton did. So I would say Terry Moe is, is not too far off base from saying, you know, he doesn't like the founding. He sure would like Hamilton. Hamilton wanted a presidency that would do almost exactly what Terry Moe is, is, is advocating here. And in fact, Hamilton said in his, in his speech that he made in, in Philadelphia in June in 1787, he said, look, everyone here is against the king, but eventually people will realize that's what we need. And he was right. I mean, this is what people want, unless it's working against their interests. And that's when people don't want it, and that's a good thing. So people need to recognize that. Your guy in power, abusing power, or being the, the elected king, is going to be bad if their guy has that kind of power. And we're seeing it. We saw it with the, with the George W. Bush years and the Barack Obama years. Now, George W. Bush and Barack Obama are so uh, almost indistinguishable in what they push, uh, which is bigger national government. Of course, Obama has gone has swung to the left more on domestic issues. But still, if if Bush was doing these things from the right, well, I mean, oh yeah, we, we yeah, go ahead, Bush, do all that stuff, and the Democrats would be howling in protest about you know, unconstitutional government. The problem is we don't need either of them doing anything like this. That would save the American polity to have a federal system where the states control these things, these domestic social issues, because that would better reflect the people of the states. And if you wanted your socialist utopia in California or Massachusetts to go, have at it. Have at it. I've said this many times on this program. No one's stopping you. In fact, the states can do all that stuff now. No one's stopping them from... from affecting or, or attacking these quote-unquote social issues. If there really is a problem in your state that needs to be addressed and a social problem, well, then do it at your state. 
But why does the rest of the United States need to go through your experimental program? It doesn't. So, I mean, Mo says it. We need, to sh- we need to shift power to the champion of effective government, the president. Just in the legislative process and only there. So that he makes the proposals. He already does this. He already does this. What do you think the president does virtually every day when he says, oh, I'm going to raise taxes, or I'm not going to raise taxes, or I'm going to come up with a national program for health care, or I'm going I'm to solve environmental problems, whatever it is. And Mo says, we need the president who already designs the policies. They do. The president already does this. This is such a disingenuous piece, such a disingenuous book. I mean, it should get negative five stars because he's, he's coming up with this idea that already exists. It already exists. What we've had in American history is an executive branch, for the most part, that comes up with the policy. Congress follows along, particularly in the 20th century. Congress has punted virtually all of their responsibility to the executive branch. We already have executive government. Congress can block it. They have done some of that at times, but most of the time they don't. It's given whatever the president wants. Maybe they add some things to it. Uh, as, as they say in this podcast, it's a sausage factory. Maybe they change some things here. But the president is virtually getting his way. And what does that give us? Bad, unconstitutional, bloated, out-of-control central government with more regulations, more unconstitutional policies. This is what we get. And so I, I just can't buy this argument from uh, Mo and Howell that we somehow have a government that uh, is bad because the president doesn't have enough power. <laughs> it's the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. So I do appreciate this user-generated episode, again, I mean, this is great, from Adam Graham. Adam Graham, thank you for pointing this out. I had not seen this book, thankfully. But I love the fact that I've got users out there who are willing to send me stuff and say, would you please talk about this? So, Adam, I've talked about this just for you, and uh, I hope you enjoyed my, my position on it. I think it was pretty clear what I would have said. Because if you've even read any of Nine Presidents, I mean, I, I directly address this issue. Uh, and, of course, in my Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution, which I'll also link in the show notes, you can get the, I go over what the president was designed to do there. And, again, that not legislative or judicial in nature was very important in designing the executive branch. And the, and the opponents of the Constitution kept saying, if you do this, we're going to have an out-of-control executive. And they were right. So I don't see how we have a situation where you have a presidency that's not already out of control. That's already what, what Mo and Howell are advocating. You have it. You don't need to have some amendment which would give the presidency even more power that would take it out of the hands of Congress. Because then what you really would have in America by, by de jure legislation, by law, would be an elected king. And that is not something we need. The founding generation was correct about this. We have a federal republic where the states have all the power. What we really need to solve these social problems is for the states to stand up and say, we're going to solve that problem right here in our state. And if you want to live in our liberal Mecca, our progressive Mecca, come over to here. And we've got all these social issues solved. 
We're we're not like those big evil guys there in in, in Alabama or South Carolina or Montana or uh, you know Texas. We're not Texas. Well, all those people out there in Texas are just so backwards. We're not that. We're over here in California having our progressive utopia. Come on over to California. But you never hear that. What you always hear is, hey, come to these states where we have low taxes and less regulation. And where where's all the economy going? Gee, to those states. <laughs> so this is the other part of this. You know, these <laughs> all this stuff would just destroy the economy. But, hey, uh, we just need these things. We just need the president to fast-track this stuff, so go to it. So hopefully nobody buys Moe's book or Mo and Hal's book. They can, the book can become a relic, and it can go into the paper shredders where it belongs uh, because this is the most ludicrous idea I've ever heard in my life, particularly since we already have it. Anyways, that'll do it for the Brian McClanahan Show. Again, send me those requests, and I'll see you next time.